0: invite you to have a seat and as you're doing that invite any children who are in the room that want to go out for children's church to meet miss erin right over here by the door and as they go out uh, this is my opportunity to remind our kids excuse me our parents that um you need to get them when we're done so um please just uh, follow those instructions up the stairs to get your kids after uh, children's church and there's more to that i'll say that in just a little bit sorry my son Just handed me his prayer request so i'll put that right here that's beautiful Uh, our scripture for this morning comes from isaiah chapter 42 i'm going to read verses 1 through 9 and we're going to put it on the screen so you can follow along as i read it aloud and then uh, when i finish reading it i want to invite you to affirm it with me i'll say this is the word of god for the people of god and you say thanks be to god Hear now God's word for us today. But here is my servant, the one I uphold, my chosen who brings me delight. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He won't cry out or shout aloud or make his voice heard in public. He won't break a bruised reed. He won't extinguish a faint wick. But he will surely bring justice. He won't be extinguished or broken until he has established justice in the land. The coastlands await his teaching. God the Lord says, the one who created the heavens, the one who stretched them out, the one who spread out the earth and its offspring, the one who gave breath to its people and life to those who walk on it, I, the Lord, have called you for a good reason. I will grasp your hand and guard you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to lead the prisoners from prison and those who sit in darkness from the dungeon. I am the Lord. That is my name. I don't hand out my glory to others or my praise to idols. The things announced in the past... Look, they've already happened, but I'm declaring new things. Before they even appear, I tell you about them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, for those of you that have been on this team for a long time, maybe you recognize the first couple of verses of what I just read. Just to read it again for you, it says, But here is my servant, the one I uphold, My chosen who brings me delight. You might recognize that. If I said it a little bit differently, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Does that bring it a little bit closer to home for anybody familiar with the story? Those were the words that the people heard from heaven when Jesus was baptized. Today, in the liturgical year, the the church calendar, today is Baptism of the Lord Sunday. This is the day that we remember and celebrate the baptism of Jesus. And those words that the people heard from heaven, the moment that the Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove, the words that they heard spoken from God were these first couple of verses from Isaiah chapter 42. Now, this is Baptism of the Lord Sunday, and one of the things that we're going to do as a part of that is remember our own baptisms. So I'm going to say a bit more about that in just a minute. But I got to tell you, it is like one of the great honors and privileges of my vocation that I get to participate in people's baptisms. That I get to baptize people of all ages. I mean, I've baptized children at the youngest of age, literally in the hospital when they were born, and I've baptized people in their 70s, and and everything in between. Do you remember your baptism? Maybe, maybe not, right? You might have been really, really young, or it might have been a really, really long time ago. Or maybe just a lot has happened since then. I've often dreamed about fun ways to baptize people, you know, besides just sort of the standards. Um, water guns have come to mind. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually a, uh, a practice sometimes in the church on Baptism of Lord Sunday and remembering your baptism. There are traditions where uh, the, the preacher, the pastor, will take a, a branch. Um, you know, biblical reference would be a hyssop branch or anything like that and dip it in the baptismal water and fling it on the people as a way to remember your baptism. So I've got right here, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it really is a special Sunday that we remember the baptism of Jesus and we remember our own baptisms. Um, I, my second appointment as a Methodist pastor was a plant, a new United Methodist Church. And uh, I had the privilege in doing that to baptize lots of people, you know, as we welcomed new people into the life of the church. And uh, in particular, I got to baptize a uh, pair of sisters and they were, you know, seven, eight, nine, the oldest one and the youngest one, probably five. Um, and the older one had some um, developmental delays as a result of uh, her birth, where she had lost oxygen for a while. And, and um, so she, you know, she was just functionally a little bit different. One of the blessings of getting to know Sarah, though, was to see for sure that different doesn't mean deficient. I mean, she will forever be a light in my life and in my ministry But I remember baptizing her. And now the way we did baptism, um, I told you I've imagined some fun ways to do it. The way we did baptism, for anybody that was, you know, standing age, not a baby that I would hold, was we had a little um, tub or a barrel. And um, I would stand you in it and then take a pitcher of water and pour it over your head to baptize you. I mean, it's one of the authorized methods of baptism in the United Methodist Church. We sprinkle, we pour, and we immerse. Um, and so, um, so this is the way I baptized Sarah and her little sister Sophie was um, stood them in the barrel and poured the water over their heads as I baptized them. And, you know, as a part of baptism, we recognize that uh, our baptism is connected to Jesus' baptism and there's something in being baptized that... We sort of walk in Jesus' footsteps, not just in that moment to be baptized, but in our life and in our living. And it's a call to live like Christ, to follow him. And, uh, and I guess those little girls were listening to me uh, because when I baptized them and then we finished with church, you know, and we sang our songs and shook our hands and hugged our necks and everybody went home and had lunch. I got a, a text from their parents later that afternoon, and it was a picture of them at home, and Sarah had convinced her younger sister, Sophie, to get in uh, the bathtub, and she got a pitcher of water, and she baptized Sophie. <laughs> like, I guess they'd enjoyed it so much and wanted to do, you know, what Jesus did, like Jesus did, so I have this, you know, picture that I'll forever have of Sarah taking it literally and, and baptizing her sister, Sophie. Now, you know, some people could hear that story and see that and go, oh, no, no, wait a minute, that's, that's not proper. It wasn't done by the proper person in the proper way and time and so on. And, and you know, fine. <laughs> um, and, and the truth is, in the United Methodist Church, we don't re-baptize, right? So once you're baptized, you're baptized. Because baptism is about what God is doing in you and in your life, not about a choice you've made Or something you're doing. But it's about what God is doing. So, you know, they were playing at it. But what a beautiful image of this girl being so moved by the experience and by the call on her life to follow Jesus that she wanted to baptize her little sister. Anyway, it's a joy for me. I love to get to do stuff like that. Now, this particular uh, passage in Isaiah is um, sort of debated, if you will, amongst theologians, people who have too much time on their hands and, you know, spend a long time with the Bible and so like to argue about every little bit of it. Um, it it's debated who it's written about or even to because it talks about this servant of the Lord. And so, you know, there, there's some people who interpret that, that at the time that it was written, at a time when Israel was in exile, the people of God had, sort of been, had been defeated and dispersed. And were feeling low, feeling lost, feeling unsettled. Like all that they thought they were supposed to have and enjoy with God had been taken from them. That what this was about was somebody who was going to come and and appear and lead them and deliver them and bring justice. And and even, you know, people now look back on history and go, well, were they writing about Cyrus who was going to become king and sort of restore the people of Israel. Then there's a perspective on it that it's not even just written about a person, but it's written about people. Maybe it's written about the nation of Israel, that they are going to be God's servant who will be raised up and and bring justice into the world. God's people will do that. And there's some perspectives on this that it's even meant more broadly that it's about creation. It's about all of us, that, that all of us will be this servant of the Lord who will participate in the establishment of God's kingdom of God's justice for all and of course then there's the interpretation that it's a prophecy about Jesus that this passage in Isaiah was actually written looking ahead foretelling the arrival of Jesus in fact Matthew thinks so much so that Matthew 12 you'll see this passage quoted and talking about Jesus And we recognize those first couple of verses from when Jesus was baptized. And Jesus' baptism is significant in history and in our lives. Because in that moment, God is claiming Jesus as the son of God. This is my child who I love with whom I am well pleased. And then the people who would have heard that would have connected that with chapter 42 of Isaiah and understood the rest of what it said. That this one, this servant of mine, says the Lord, this servant of mine will come to establish justice. The Hebrew concept of mishpat, this compassionate justice, this distributive justice, justice that makes all good and right for all everywhere and I love the way it's described that way that justice is described in this passage that he will come to establish justice and he will not break the tender reed he will not extinguish the faint wick Any gardeners in here that have ever tried to keep something growing when it's really young? Or anybody in here ever lit a flame and needed to keep it lit? Just so small, maybe out in the cold. I see the scouting leaders nodding their heads. Think about the tender care that you give to that brand new shoot of a plant or to that little faint flame that you need to keep alive. That's the image of God's justice for the world and for creation that is being established in the person of Jesus Christ. And God naming Jesus as such upon his baptism. And as Jesus is baptized, we too are baptized. Baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptized into the life and lineage and ministry of Jesus. This ministry of justice. And not just justice for you or for me, but justice, according to the writer, for all the nations. This kind of tender care. For everybody, everywhere, throughout time, and everything that's ever been created. Jim Collins would call that a BHAG. Any of you business leaders in here recognize that terminology? For a big, hairy, audacious goal. Here's a biblical BHAG for you. That the God of creation said in the person of Jesus Christ... And in his baptism, in all of our subsequent baptisms, God is bringing this justice to the nations, to the world. Almost seems like too much to do through one person. But we know, in fact, that's not the case. But in this one person, justice, righteousness, redemption, and salvation has come to the world. And it only gets more beautiful, though, because Jesus then says, this that God has given me, this is what God has named me for the world. Now I give it to you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. And And in our baptism, we receive that. We receive that identity. We receive that calling, that claiming from God through Jesus that we are a part of this big, hairy, audacious goal to bring justice to the world. And we receive it together. What a beautiful thing to be baptized together. Into the kingdom of God. Into the claim of God on our lives. Into the community of faith of the church. Which is one of the other things I love about our understanding of baptism. Is our baptism is not something we just do for ourselves. Or just for our family or our child. Or we just sort of come in here and take care of it. Baptism is something we do collectively. That's why we do it in worship. Any and every time we possibly can. We do it in a corporate worship setting. Because you, we all participate in the baptism. I asked if you remember your baptism. Maybe, maybe not. Do you remember being present when someone was baptized? We have a unique view. (laughs) We get to see them, right? And there's moments where you just see the people's faces light up. I asked you if you remember somebody being baptized. All of your faces just lit up. It's a beautiful thing that we participate in together the claiming by God of our lives. So this morning, we're going to remember our baptisms together. That's sort of our focus for the month of January, if you've picked up on it. We're going to be the church together. As Cameron mentioned, we're all worshiping together. Even though we've been a part of different worship services here in the past, we're all coming together to worship God together. We recognize that when we experience and participate in baptism, we're doing that together. And in this new year, In this new season, we're going to go into it remembering our baptisms together. Just like was written by the prophet, the Lord says, look, I'm doing something new in you and among you and through you. Spirit of the living God. Fall afresh on me. Did anybody sing that a minute ago? Did anybody sing it like you meant it a minute ago? That the spirit of the living God would fall fresh on you today. The same spirit of the living God that fell fresh on Jesus when God claimed Jesus as my child who I love. Whom I am so pleased and proud, the same spirit of the same living God falls fresh on you, and God claims you as a child of God. Dearly loved, God's so proud of you and fills you with God's spirit so that you and I and all of us could go out of here just like little Sarah did. And go bless any and everybody else you can with that same spirit and call them invite them hey if you haven't been baptized come on over to Shambly we're into it we make a big deal out of it we remember and celebrate it we do it with each other it's God's claim on your life if you're in here this morning and you haven't been baptized or your child hasn't been baptized I would love that privilege and that honor water gun optional to to share in your baptism Just let me know. Come find me after worship is over. So I've got the baptismal font right here. I'm going to invite you in just a little bit to come up. As you want, when you're ready, if you want. Remember your baptism and touch the baptismal waters. If you haven't been baptized, just come check it out. You can see. And for the parents whose kids went out, I ask you to please remember to go get them. After worship is over, feel free to bring them back in here and let them also touch the waters of baptism. Remember their baptism. Or consider being baptized for themselves. You you may remember what we say when we Participate in baptism. We have baptismal vows. If parents are bringing a child, parents take these vows on behalf of their kids. If somebody is coming and they're of an age of consent to make that decision for themselves, then then they take these vows. And if you were baptized as a child, these vows were renewed by you for you on your confirmation when you became a full member of the church. But as we prepare to remember our baptism, I want you to listen to him, please, again. Remember your baptism. Do you reject evil, wickedness, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist all evil, injustice, and oppression? Is Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord? And do you, together with the church, trust his grace with everything you have will you be loyal to the church and do everything you can to make it stronger and will you participate in the life of this church with your prayers your presence your gifts your service and your witness and then when someone is baptized the congregation responds as you're asked Do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? And will you nurture each other in the Christian faith and life and include the persons being baptized as you do? And then we pray this blessing over the water. Eternal God, your mighty acts of salvation have been made known Time and time again through water. From the moving of your spirit on the waters of creation. To the deliverance of your people. Through the flood and through the Red Sea. In time you sent Jesus. Nurtured in the water of a womb. Baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection. And to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this water and those who receive it. To wash away their sin, clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives. That dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And then we all share in the baptism. Just like in a moment we're going to share in the remembering of our baptism. And we vow to nurture each other in this faith. What a great way to start a new year together. Nurturing one another in the faith. That's one of the benefits of this change in schedule. The idea is that then as soon as we're done with worship, any and all of us can gather together for the next hour and still have time for lunch. You can meet in one of our Sunday school classes that are already ongoing. That information is in the bulletin or... You can form a new group or class, but the idea is that we would be together in the faith, that we would nurture our faith together. And that in so doing, we enter into this new year to participate in this new thing that God is doing in us and among us. You know, the custom or practice in the United Methodist Church in the new year is to pray the covenant prayer that um, John Wesley gave to the early Methodists. It came from his roots, from his parents, from his family, but it was a prayer that they prayed every uh, new year. To remember, reestablish, claim again the covenant that they had with God, that we have with God. So what I want to do before you come forward to remember your baptism is I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, just whatever posture of prayer you want to take, and I'm going to pray the Wesley Covenant prayer for us, with us. And then when I say amen on the Wesley Covenant prayer, the music will play, and you'll be invited to come forward, touch the water, and remember your baptism. Let us pray. O oh God, I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.